thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. team and welcome back to the real food reel today on the show we are joined by our good friend Kirsty worth from culture wellness now Kirsty joined us back on the show in episode 39 which aired um, in september last year would you believe um, so you can head back to that episode to hear more about Kirsty's story uh, we are going to dive straight in today and welcome Kirsty to the show and find out what she's been up to since we spoke to her last hi Kirsty, and thanks for your time today Hi, Steph. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back. I'd love for you to share uh, what you've been up to in the last couple of months and what your latest project looks like. Um, well, very exciting. I released a little ebook, so that's been really cool. Everyone's been so keen on the cultures and just wanted some more information about what can we make, what can we do with them. So, yeah, we put out a little ebook about all the different recipes that you can make using the cultures and fun things like little um, probiotic cheesecakes and stuff like that. So that's been lots and lots of fun. And, yeah, at the moment we're working on new ferments and um, new things with my consulting. I've been doing a lot of um, new programs on that. So there's lots of stuff happening. It's been really exciting. Yeah, you have been busy. Mm. I love the ebook because I think it is a great resource to firstly answer a lot of the questions that people have about fermenting in general, certainly the culture wellness ferments, which you know we get asked a lot about um, here at the Natural Nutritionist. But some of the ideas are fantastic. Like a gut healing cheesecake is just the best thing ever. <laughs> I know it is and especially if someone like if you are trying to heal your gut and someone comes over at someone's birthday or something there is you do have something to produce as opposed to oh I'm healing my gut I have nothing you know Mm. you still want to be involved in community and create those beautiful food memories it doesn't have to be all um you you know deprivation so yeah no it's a bit of fun I I enjoyed making it and um, getting it out to everyone. It was cool. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll pop the link to the ebook in the show notes for those that haven't got their copy. It's available online. So that's very cool. Alrighty. So today we've got you on the show to talk about a couple of different topics, um, all very much connected with our underlying principles as always. But what I'd love to start with is the topic of chlorinated pools. So I want you to explain to our listeners um, perhaps why it's a little bit problematic um, so we can dive in um, about then obviously what we can do for those of us that are swimming as part of our training or certainly in um, exposure to chlorinated pools throughout the week. Mm -hmm. So from a gut perspective, chlorine um, is quite toxic. So um, most people, you know, and your clients, Steph, will have a very experienced, you know, ability to swim, so they're not going to be taking in lots of chlorine. But every time that you swallow chlorine and it goes down into your gut, it's going to kill off your microbes. So it does have a really big effect on your 
gut microbiome. And it also has a big effect on your skin microbiome because our skin is also a biome. And so we need to take care of that as much as the inside. So that's the first thing is that, you know, it really does have an impact on your gut. And being a toxin, it's also got an impact on things like your liver and how your body metabolizes it. So some of us are really quick metabolizers and we can get rid of that stuff and, um, you know, detox it out quite quickly. Other people, like myself, for example, my body takes a lot of time to get rid of things and needs a lot of help to move toxicity through. So chlorine, um, yeah, it's just got, it, it has, I mean, obviously it's got its benefits. It's a safe, you know, thing for us to swim in and make sure that we don't get infections when we're swimming, but need to be really mindful of the other issues that it can present, especially when it comes to your gut. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've actually seen certainly some trends in my athletes that are doing high volumes of swimming. So that that increased exposure. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you've seen in terms of um, a buildup of copper or certainly um, a copper to zinc ratio that's heading in the wrong direction related to uh, chlorine. Yeah, well, I mean, chlorine, so chlorine drills down your zinc and then obviously, you know, pushes up that copper really high. So, yeah, I have seen it a lot and you can do tests for that. You can find out whether you've got quite high copper either through a urine test or through hair samples. But I have, I've seen it a lot as well because, the, um, you know, they bind together and it is such a big issue for people that are swimming in it all the time. Yeah, so it's certainly an inverse relationship, that copper to zinc. So, you know, it becomes a bit of a, a double whammy, so to speak. Obviously, zinc's so low, but then that, that copper's so high and exacerbated by that, that toxic exposure. So that can have some problems um, that are quite far-reaching. Mm. Um, so do you think that, say, some genetic testing is a good place to look for first to find out if maybe you do have that slow metabolism profile, which means you're going to be more sensitive to these toxins and have a slower filtering process? I think it's vital because, Mm. um, I mean, your athletes don't want to give up swimming in a pool and they don't want to give up their passion. They want to keep doing that. So why not collect all the data you can to find out how your body works and how best to promote it to work at its optimum level? And genetic testing like 23andMe, will give you such a good picture of, okay, where are my body's strengths, where are my body's weaknesses, and how do I best manage that so I can still continue to do the things that I love? Like, for example, with the copper-zinc ratio, you know, that it's like on a seesaw, mm. and it can go up and down, up and down, up and down. So if you know that you've got a susceptibility to that, you can, you can manage that just through food, a little bit of extra supplementation, and other, um, you know, other things along the way. And if you know what your SNPs are, then you know that you'll be able to manage that. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make so that you're not flying blind. Um, also, obviously, as you said, we're not saying don't swim. It's more about the, the, the awareness to how um, this might be affecting you based on your genetic profile and then on top of that looking at some management strategies so that you are um, doing your best to counteract some of the negative effects. Yeah, and, 
and you know like we were saying before some people don't need to manage it and other people do Mm. and um you know if you do recover differently to your friends after training or if you seem to have the sniffles all the time and you, you seem to go down a lot harder than your other training mates just understanding that copper zinc ratio will really change things for you quite significantly and it's just you know it's just more data for you to keep it's not really a big deal you just test them every now and again check out what your levels are find out um yeah if you've got i mean there's so many things about those snips that you could find or the you know what's happening with your genetics and yeah if you just find out okay need a little bit more of this or need a little bit more of that or be mindful of this you can be you know your training can just go through the roof and get to that optimal level that you want yeah for sure so what are some of the management strategies like what can we do if actually firstly can you do it via a blood test can you have a look at these sorts of things via a blood you said urine or hair sample before Mm -hmm. yeah you can Mm. absolutely you Mm. can so finding a really good integrative um, gp that understands how to test those things will be the best step forward and then you can just get that. And if you're going to be exposing yourself to, to chlorine and you know that one of the issues is going to be that high copper, you know, doing it every six months is fine. Mm-hmm. And then you can just keep, you know, watch it before it really drops away and becomes a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly observing some of those symptoms that you mentioned. Um, a lot of the sniffles or the congestion type issues is in that box of, oh, it's just part of the sport or it's just normal, which I find quite <laughs> quite frustrating. <laughs> it's that, not normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure and you would agree with me there. Yeah. Um, so some further expo- exploration obviously can help identify things as well as develop a strategy that's re- retestable, which is really important to have a look at the effectiveness of the, of the changes that you implement. Yeah, absolutely. So what can we do if hypothetically we are uh, maybe identifying with what you've said about some of the symptoms or we do feel like um, we are affected by chlorine or we've had some high copper test results, what are some of the strategies that we could do to counteract that? Okay, well, the first one um, for obviously looking at your gut and your little microbes, which is you know, my, my little thing that I love to talk about the most. I mean, if you're swimming in something that's going to be killing off your bacteria, then you need to be replacing that. So like the first thing to do is to have really high quality probiotic foods and have them regularly in your diet. So either, you know, through making your own using something like my cultures or having, you know, wild ferments, whatever it may be, it's really important that that is consistently in your diet all the time. So if you go swimming in the morning and you've been in a chlorine pool, having some yogurt afterwards for breakfast is such a great way to replenish and rebuild any changes that may have happened while you've been swimming. Mm. Then also on top of that... uh, uh, we were talking about our skin being a bone, mm. Steph, and that's really interesting because we forget that and we don't look after that as much. And so we have to look back to Cleopatra. She was renowned for being this incredibly beautiful woman and she had these habits of having um, baths in fermented milk and that they talked about the fact that the um, beautiful acid and the benefits of those acids from the microbes cleansed her skin so much and got away the wrinkles and, you know, turned her into this beautiful Cleopatra that we all know about. Now, the bacteria and the fermented milk that she used to swim in 
change the microbes on her skin and that will make play a big, big um, part in if you get any rashes, if you have any single, you know, eczema or if you have psoriasis, any of those things, like even just getting really dry and itchy after you come out of a chlorinated pool, if you can just try like once a week just to jump in the bath and add some, um, mainly like for my clients, I tell them to put in um, like the culture wellness yogurt and just dump, you know, a cup of that in there. And the bath can't be too hot because obviously that's going to kill off the bacteria. So it does have to be a coolish, well, you know, lukewarm bath, not a piping hot one. But you really notice the difference. It's quite surprising. I've had quite a few of them and I, I was really surprised and intrigued by how much they do change your skin so that's important I love that idea I think um, we could certainly use it that application much further than obviously a chlorinated pool I think that the you know skin issues are you know as we know a direct influence or a direct indication of your internal health but being able to have that treatment all over that biome is amazing for someone that might have you know the psoriasis or even you know, um, that the hormonal type acne. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's our barrier. Mm. It's our barrier to our insides. So we want to look after it just as well as our insides. It's so important to to manage it. And, you know, you can play around with it. I mean, I when I first got into fermented foods, I used to make face masks mm. with, with probiotic foods. And, they, you know, it would just make such a big difference to my face because before I got into understanding all this about health, I had extreme adult acne all over my face. So that was one of the first sort of things that I delved into and thought, oh, would this help and would that help? But, yeah, you can have a lot of fun with it, you know, get around with your friends and make some crazy face masks and do all sorts of stuff. Good. Very yeah. cool. I like that. That's a great yeah. option. Yeah. So um, and then obviously – really important to do basic stuff like as soon as you get out of a chlorinated pool you shower like that and you know most people know that but it is really really important that you do that because you can wash away some of the chlorine quite quickly and um, obviously eating lots of foods that are high in zinc like oysters are the big guns there but egg yolks and um, lamb I don't know, Steph, I can't think of any other high zinc foods at the moment. But those Yeah, are, all of your pumpkin seeds are lovely. They, yeah. yeah, there you go. And um, chia seeds I think are high in zinc as well. So, mm. yeah, there's lots of things that you can do to balance that ratio out as best you can. And if it's really out of whack, then you may want to look at a supplement just for a little while to bring it back into good stead again. And yeah, then I'll, I think- Sorry, I, no. do, I do think supplements can have a place. I think certainly in a short-term scenario, if you can really start to solve the issue, um, then it's always lovely to, in that time, set up some new behaviours with looking at whether you can have some liver or some pumpkin seeds or some sesame seeds, um, creating some new behaviours so that you're naturally starting to increase your dietary intake of zinc so that perhaps you can come off the supplement and have a look at how your body responds on its own. Exactly. And mm. then if we think about how we make our own um, nutrients within our bodies, it all comes back down to that gut again. So, you know, when we digest our food really well and we synthesize all of those, you know, beautiful nutrients, it's our gut that does that. And so once again, it comes back to making sure that you're nourishing that gut, even when you've got such, you know, a rigorous training and you're doing lots of stuff in chlorine. Mm. 
if you don't look after that, you won't be able to absorb those nutrients. And maybe that's why you got there in the first place with the copper-zinc ratio. And we know that B12, which is, you know, one of those really, really important um, nutrients that we need, that won't be absorbed if you've got a compromised gut and that can, um, you know, have a really big impact on your health. So it always comes back to to the gut. But, you know, if you find, oh, my gosh, I'm having heaps of pumpkin seeds and I'm smashing the other zinc foods and I'm just getting nowhere, it's Mm. like, well, maybe you're not absorbing that. So let's have a look at why you're not absorbing that and um, making, you know, getting the bioavailability of that increase. And it might just be that you ferment your um, pumpkin seeds or you blitz them, yeah, yeah, Mm. or you, you, you blitz them up into like a probiotic smoothie or something like that so they're more available and they're easily easily digestible so your body can really get the most out of it. Yeah, awesome tip. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, it just, you know, some people, a lot of my clients are obviously quite sick and they've got, you know, severe gut health issues. The poor things, everything's pureed for them. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just got to give that body a chance just yeah. to absorb, absorb uh, you know, get that nutrients back in so it can start to work again because our bodies know what to do. you just got to give it to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Beautiful. And so what about looking at the liver function? We know that the liver is our uh, chief detox organ and it in in a good state of health should be able to eliminate some of the excess copper. So do you think this is some part of the problem that we're seeing and and what can we do to ramp up our liver function? Okay, well, ramping up the liver function, and I suppose that also goes back to understanding your genes. Do you know know if your liver's working pretty well or if it's going to be quite compromised? But, yeah, I mean, making sure that you're giving your liver the best chance to detox them out is so vital and, you know, sometimes the really unsexy foods are the ones that your liver's going to love, mm. like having eggs. Oh, they're so good for your liver over, you know, having that protein, um, you know, awesome little, what do they call those little balls, the bliss yeah, balls? Bliss balls. Yeah. Like your liver's not going to love that at all. It's full of sugar and there's no sulfur. There's no amino acids in there. There's nothing that's going to say to your liver okay, let's dump the toxins. Yeah. So whereas, you know, it's it's really nice and it's yummy but it's not a liver-loving food. It's so and, funny when you talk to clients about liver foods and, you you know, what comes up is cruciferous veggies yeah. and you get the big Brussels sprouts, you know, <laughs> screw up the nose type reaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is, it's like, you know, they're not sexy foods at mm. all but to the liver they are mm. and the liver's just desperate for them. So, um, you know, in media and everything we see now, like those um, bliss balls and all of those sorts of foods are put out there as being so cool and important. But when you look at the functionality of the liver, there's, yeah, we need the, yeah, the cruciferous vegetables. I mean, oh, fermented beetroot, goodness me, like that will go straight to your liver and it will send a message to the, your liver to dump bile. Mm. Now, bile is where we store toxins. Mm. So if you're going to be having something that's going to literally turn on the tap to release bile, to release the toxins, that's the kind of food that you want to be nourishing your body with and the foods that you you know that, yep, I'm going to get rid of them through that, you know, that second phase of the liver and these are the kind of foods that I need to have. Yeah, beautiful. I think that's the best thing about looking at um, 
the overall plan, there's going to be a lot of easy strategies that come back to nutrition and gut health as we know they're always our building blocks. And fermented beetroot is really affordable and efficient to add into any meal plan or any, you know, any nutrition approach. And I think we're not asking you to buy expensive supplements. It's more about looking at some small behavioral changes to really start to improve the way your body functions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you like get a big two-liter jar and you just chop up your beetroot and whack it in and ferment it, mm. that it's just in your fridge. Mm. So you just bring it out when you have some protein or when you have a, a meal and just pop it on your plate. And it's it really is as simple as that. It's it's not hard to do, and you don't have to make them very often. So I agree, Steph. It's those small um, lifestyle changes when they become your regular routine. Mm. Then, then you're ready to go. Oh, that's when you start making big health changes. Yeah, you and I were talking about this before the show and I think we're in this quick fix world and, you know, some of it can be helpful but none of it is going to work if you don't look at the foundations, you know, how you eat, how you sleep, what your lifestyle is, how you control your stress. All of these things are our foundations and then on top of that we look at, you know, what else we might do for the individual. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, you're exactly right. Unless you've got those foundations down, um, you're almost wasting your time going out and searching for answers because the answers are right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. It's just um, settling down and taking responsibility for those everyday behaviours and they're the really hard ones because you can't buy them in a pill. You have Mm -hmm. to just, you know, bunker down and... And make those changes. I'm going to turn the salt lamps on at night. I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to not be overstimulated by Mm. things at night. Like all those sorts of things. Um, They're good intentions and everyone knows about them. But the the people that are winning the health game, they're the ones that do them and make them regular. Yeah, for sure. Make them a a new part of their routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. All right, so another topic that you brought um, to my attention that you thought would be really cool to discuss, which I certainly agree on, is the use of anti-inflammatories. So we're thinking about certainly uh, when they're prescribed for injuries, they're over-prescription, but take us through how they can be um, harmful for the gut and what the flow and effect uh, is there. Okay. Well, I, I, sorry, I, you know I'm a bit of a storyteller, so I have to start with, with a story on this one. Yeah. I, I have too much of an understanding of anti-inflams because at, in my sort of at my peak, I reckon I was having six to eight anti-inflammatory tablets a day followed by about six to eight Panadols a day. Oh. And you can only imagine what was happening to my gut at the time. I, I was in a lot of pain and I was competing in um, certain outdoor sort of pursuits and I just I didn't listen to my body and I tried to push and push and push and didn't understand all of the things I know now. And so I just tried to sort of um, get rid of it by taking these um, anti-inflams and Panadol and, and it certainly was one of the key catalysts to the really horrible situation that I got in with my gut and my health. And, yeah, I just, it's it's really um, close to my heart and to the point that when my son Noah was sick, we were told to give him anti-inflams and he ended up getting blood in his stool at about six months as a child, like as a baby. And so it can, like it literally 
um, tears holes in your gut wall. It creates something that we all know, everyone knows about now called leaky gut. But it literally breaks down the gut wall and um, if you don't watch out, those anti-inflams, not only do they clog up your liver and we've just been talking about being a slow metabolizer, that anti-inflammatories are notorious for causing problems for those slow metabolizers, but they completely wreak havoc on your gut flora and they they just cause so much toxicity in the body as well. But obviously if you've got no... Um, ability to absorb nutrients because of those leaky gut, then you get yourself into other problems that then exacerbates the pain you're in and then you take more, So, which is where I got to. So it, it's just a vicious cycle that you can get into because you try and get rid of the pain and then you, because you're, you're not absorbing nutrients and and off you go. It's terrible, Steph. But, um, it, yeah, they, they literally just... Um, it's like sending a bomb down into your gut and releasing it with those little tablets. They just destroy everything. So there are so many other things that you can do instead of taking anti-inflammatories. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Um, it, it certainly is a catalyst for a lot of people and then it creates problems that are you know, far-reaching with certainly interrupting the microbiome and the deficiencies from poor absorption. Um, so let's talk about what we can do instead of relying on anti-inflammatories next. Okay. Well, for me, what I found was I understood what was going on with my body and my genes and I started to understand that I, I actually did have a quite a bad liver problem. And when I understood that and understood that the pain that I was getting was more of a toxicity thing and a magnesium problem, once I managed those things that the pain started to go and I didn't feel like I needed the anti-inflammatories as much. And so, of course, the magnesium was one of the really big ones that um, I see a lot with my clients that when they're deficient in that, they get a lot of pain and cramping. And so, uh, once again, understanding how your body functions so then you can nourish it, then a lot of these symptoms will go away or, you know, the problems will go away. Same deal with the um, chlorine and managing your gut. You want, you want to create a robust microbiome, so having fermented foods. If you've had any infections in your body and they're still in there because, you know, if you've had a damaged gut, it opens up for infections and pathogens to hang out in there and cause all sorts of troubles. So you want to make sure that you address those things as well and that, once again, is looking at fermented foods and um, you might look at, you know, coconut oil or certain things that will manage any of those pathogens. And, um, yeah, just making sure that the the gut is nourished so you're absorbing those nutrients and so then you don't get a lot of those issues that then make you want to turn around and have an anti-inflammatory because, like, for example, one of your athletes who may be on the bike a lot, like when I was riding mountain bikes, my lower back was just a disaster zone and that's often why I was taking the anti-inflammatories. It was so much pain. I now know that um, when your body's in a healing, oh, sorry, in a health crisis, um, your kidneys are really struggling and they, that's where they reflect the pain when you've got a high toxic load and your electrolytes are so out of whack, your kidneys just really can't sort of cope with it all and so that's where you get that expression of that um, pain through that lower back. 
So, yeah, looking at electrolytes, looking at are your kidneys filtering out all the toxins, um, all of those things, you can suddenly understand, okay, well, this is maybe why I'm holding on to these ailments or this pain or whatever those things are. Yeah, it's definitely getting deeper understanding because I think for a long time, particularly with unfortunately the way modern medicine works, it's very surface level and it's very band-aid in approach. So you want to obviously uncover the deeper layers and have a look at the the full extent, the full um, areas to address at the same time. So we know um, we know gut health is important for an anti-inflammatory effect. I'm sure everyone's aware of how turmeric can be really beneficial. Have you got some other um, strategies for uh, managing any inflammation? Well, one of the biggest ones that um, yeah, I'm not sure if your listeners would know about is we when we have certain fermented foods, it creates lactic acid in the body. Now, lactic acid's great in the body. It does all sorts of things. It helps us for many reasons. But if you've got a compromised um, system and also if you've got, I want to again go back to that infection again, if you've got an infection in your body which creates its own lactic acid, then you might find that you're getting a lot of acidity and a lot of pain. So searching out for um, probiotics that don't have any lactic acid in them, so looking for probiotics that are delactate, will make a significant difference in you restoring your gut but not having a lot of that um, heavy, sore muscles, pain, that lactic acid sort of feeling. So that's one of the strategies. Yeah, okay. So it it's about obviously finding the right strain. So if you feel like that might be something that is a problem for you, like heavy legs or poor recovery, you want to mm-hmm. obviously explore the type of gut health focus, the type of probiotics. Yeah, and just, um, you know, most of the time now it's most probiotics will have D-lactate written on there, so it's a bit easier for people to find out now. Like when I was first investigating it, I had to sort of <laughs> look at each one and understand it and then go and look at um, certain companies, but now it's pretty widely uh, advertised as D-lactate. And yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm shocked at how significant you can, different you can feel from having lactic acid versus D-lactate um, probiotic nutrition. It does make a big difference. Yeah, very good. Very good. So was there another strategy there that you wanted to mention in terms of the underlying issues? For the anti-inflams, well, once yeah. again, yeah, once again, it just comes back to understanding uh, if you've got toxicity in your body, what are you doing to um, minimise that toxicity? Mm. Because a lot of that toxicity is obviously going to be the reason why you, your body's inflamed. So, um, and sometimes it does. It just goes much deeper than just having a green smoothie. You might need to look at, you know, what, what's my body doing? What am I absorbing? How can I get rid of that toxicity? And just in your everyday life, like mm. if you're um, washing your hair in the wrong, um, you know, shampoos or conditioners or if um, you're kind of half cleaned out, you're, you're covered with all of the toxic chemicals but you still use a few things, every, you know, once a week, those few things can make a big difference if your body's more susceptible than the next person to um, being able to move through those toxicities because if you don't move them through, they just circulate around in your body and cause inflammation. 
And other other things like, you know, understanding your genes, like we know that there's a gene called the FUT gene and that's responsible for being able to absorb and make like bifido strains, which is a type of bacteria. And if you know that you've got that, that's going to be awesome to help you digest your food better and to increase your nutrient profile so you don't so you can get rid of the toxicity. So it's just becoming aware of your body and understanding it. Yeah. Great summary. Mm. All right, our last little topic is an interesting conversation that you and I had about um, some conversations that you've had with dentists locally um, and the influence of our old friend Gatorade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and, you know, Steph, we were also talking about um, kombucha as well. Yes. Because, you know, there's awesome kombuchas on the market and there's some which have got quite a high sugar load and, they're about the same as Gatorade, the sugar. So we need to look at all of the um, drinks that we're having, including Gatorade. But, yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with dentists lately about the biome in the mouth. So I've always been interested in the biome in the gut and I've always been interested in the biome on the skin. But I hadn't really understood and wanted to know more about the biome in our mouth because that's obviously where digestion starts. Mm. And, yeah, we have a really complex biome in our mouth that if that's not in um, good balance then it can also cause all sorts of troubles so we have these things that are called streptococcus mutans and if they grow too much in your mouth they can also uh, cause big problems and they're one of those lactic acid forming um, bacteria that we were just talking about that can cause all of those inflammatory responses so if you're drinking a heap of Gatorade that's full of sugar when that Gatorade hits those streptococcus mutants in your mouth, they're going to love that. Like that's what they live off. They mm. love sugar and they love chemicals. And so every time that they um, come into contact with the sugar, they're going to multiply and they're going to grow and they're going to lay down biofilm and make a little home in your mouth. And then that, yeah, that paves the way for inflammation and infection in your body starting at the most important part of your digestion, which is your mouth. So it's really important that we look at all the things that go into our body and making sure that we don't create an imbalance in different parts of our body. And, yeah, the the Gatorade has been quite a lot of studies done via, you know, I've been reading them in sort of dentistry journals and stuff about how those streptococcus mutants can put the balance so out of whack that it can actually change what we crave and what we Mm. want. So when, and it's the same with our gut, when our biome's out of balance, we crave sugar, carbohydrates and all the wrong foods. And so when we eat something, if we've got a lot of strep mutants in our mouth and the biome's out of whack, if we eat sugar, we're just going to crave it and just want to eat it all the time because we like the taste of it. And then, for example, if you had some fermented foods, you would really just hate that because those bacteria in there, that's not what they want because they're going to die off. So, yeah, so it's important to manage all aspects of our biome and, and, yeah, looking at those traditional, even um, some of the gels that some of your listeners might take, they're quite full of sugar as well. And so they're going to be causing an imbalance in the the mouth biome as well. Oh, totally. And I was just about to say the same thing. Obviously, it's not just Gatorade and its unique ingredients, but the sugar as well is um, 
you know, obviously going to be far reaching and we can look at conventional sports nutrition and find many products that are going to have a significant impact on your mouth biome, uh, obviously as well as the long-term inflammatory um, sort of metabolic dysfunction type pathways that I'm confident the majority of our listeners are very clear on now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and also to be mindful that it doesn't have to be um, the processed sugar as well. Like mm. if you're having a lot of um, raw sugar treats and a lot of um, what we would still consider healthy, but if you're constantly having lots of fruit, for example, or lots of those raw sugar treats, that's still going to feed this back, you know, unhealthy bacteria. They they sort of don't really care about the difference whether it's a mm. really sugary date or if it's a um, you know, really sugary muesli bar or something, they still see it as the same and it will help them multiply and set, you know, keep camp in your mouth. So, yeah, once again, it's just keeping the balance right. I'm not saying don't have it, but get the balance perfect so it's not an issue. Yeah, definitely. Looking at what you're putting in your mouth every day and then, you know, having a discussion with yourself about what side is real food, you know, minimal human interference and then how much you're allowing on the other side, which are the, the treats and what we would call occasional foods. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're at a point in your in your life where um, you're really trying to sort of get your health into perfect sort of perfect health and you've had a few issues, then you may even feel like the occasional treats aren't something that's right for you mm. for a, a couple of months. And that's okay because there's always that end goal that you want to get to. So you just want to look to that and focus on that rather than, oh, I feel like I'm depriving myself or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely got to be relative to your goals and to your current health status. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Amazing. So much fantastic information today. And I just know our listeners are going to have a lot of red flags going off. Um, but keep it nice and simple, team. Think about some of those behavioral strategies that we've discussed. Uh, have a look at learning more about certainly your current profile. And I'll put some links in the show notes about genetic testing as well, because it's definitely a fantastic way to learn more about your body and help you develop a, a a comprehensive management strategy. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks again for your time today, Kirsty. It was great to have you back on the show and we'll chat again very soon. Thanks, Steph. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.